Last week I was sharing with Pastor Laura, we were talking about just the anticipation, uh, what it takes to prepare to preach. And I was telling her, man, I really wish that I got to preach last Sunday because we were going away this past week. We went away as a church staff to our Northwest District Conference for Foursquare. And you know, it maybe takes a little bit of prep and energy to get ready for this moment. And I was like, man, I wish I was doing it the week before so I could just relax this past week when I was away at conference. But, you know, how many of you know that God is, he's pretty sovereign. He knew what he was doing. And can I just tell you that our church, that the Big C Church and the Foursquare Movement is sharing in our theme this year of Reawaken. The Lord is on the move, waking things up in people like never before. And so I am so excited to share this morning for such a time as this with you guys today, even though I had to spend a little bit of time, man, you guys, God met me in such a sweet way over this past week in just affirming to me that our community at large is on the move with Christ, that there is a revival, that there is a reawakening among believers, not just here, that we are in this big C church. And so I'm excited for that. Amen? Amen. It's going to be really good. I'm excited for this coming year. Hey, Pastor Lance has been sharing the past several weeks about our theme for 2018-2019. Our theme is Reawaken. And he has been sharing out of the book of Ezekiel. But before we dive into chapter 37 of Ezekiel, I just want to recap a little bit of the history. I think anytime we're reading the word, it's so important for us to zoom back and to see the picture, the context that the word is in. The word becomes alive. It is more impactful when we understand the context of the place that it's coming from. Amen? So Ezekiel was a prophet from the Lord. He was a priest. And the Lord called in him to speak to the people of Israel. I read somewhere online about four years in to the Israelites' captivity to the Babylonians. For those of you that don't know, that Israel has a long and complicated history with God, right? There was times where they were following the Lord and walking in the blessings of God, and then there was times that they began to wander, that they were not satisfied any longer with the Lord's provision, that they traded in the best that God had for them for the good that they wanted, This was a moment in which the Israelites took things into their own hands and they began to wander. And God had warned the Israelites back in Jeremiah out of the goodness of who he was, the sovereignty of God. And he had sent Jeremiah earlier to prophesy and say, if you continue your wandering, you are going to go back into captivity. You will lose the land that you have taken. And sure enough, In the book of Ezekiel, we find that the Babylonians had taken the land from them, had seized their property, had taken their customs, and put the Israelites under their thumb. Now, I can imagine that this was a dark time. You would think that they would have remembered what their time in captivity was. But in actuality, it had been about 800 years since their original exodus from Egypt. I would imagine over eight years some of the stories maybe had been watered down. Maybe some of the stories kind of were tall tales of God's miracles, and they had forgotten the power and the miracles of God. 
And they began to take things in their own hands once again. But Ezekiel came. It was in that context that the Lord awoke something in Ezekiel and brought him to the valley of dry bones. Before we dive in, I'd like us to just pray this morning. Father God, would you go before me in this journey in this morning? Holy Spirit, we invite you to be a part. God, I ask that the words that I share this morning out of your book would come alive to people like they never have before. Jesus, bring people into a deeper relationship because of this word this morning. Go before me, Jesus. We love you so much. We invite you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have your word, which most of us just have our good old iPhones, go ahead and open it up to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. I'm just going to be reading here uh, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to start in verse 1. Sometime later, I felt the Lord's power take control of me, and his spirit carried me to a valley of, full of dry bones. The Lord showed me all around, and everywhere I looked, I saw bones that were dried out. And he said, Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones come back to life? And I replied, Lord God, only you can answer that. He then told me to say, dry bones, listen to what the Lord is saying to you. I, the Lord God, will put breath in you, and once again you will live. I will wrap you with muscles and skin and breathe life into you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I did what the Lord said. But before I finished speaking, I heard a rattling noise. The bones were coming together. I saw muscles and skin cover the bones, but they had no life in them. The Lord said, Ezekiel, now say to the wind, the Lord commands you to blow from every direction and to breathe life into these dead bodies so they can live again. As soon as I said this, the wind blew among the bodies and they came back to life. They all stood up and there were enough to make a large army. The Lord said, Ezekiel, the people of Israel are like dead bones. They complain that they're dried up and they have no hope for the future. So tell them, I, the Lord God, promise to open your graves and set you free. I will bring you back to Israel. And when that happens, you will realize that I am the Lord. My spirit will give you breath and you will live again. I will bring you home and you will know that I have kept my promise. I, the Lord, have spoken. Amen. What an encouragement to the people of Israel. Remind you that they were in captivity already for about four years. So this word probably would have evoked a lot of emotion. And I think Lance touched on this last week. Some maybe would have felt a little discouraged. Like, yeah, right. We've been here for four years and we haven't seen anything move. But some people maybe begin to shift their eyes back towards God. Back towards the miracles he could do. And it maybe began to stir a little bit of hope. I want to camp out a little bit on these verses this morning. I want to talk a little bit about life and the wind. Lance touched last week a little bit on speaking life to your situation. And if you zoom back, I said a little bit earlier, right, how important it is for us to understand the context of a story when we dive in so that we can fully grasp what it is that the Lord is trying to say. And we will see from the beginning in Genesis all the way through that God used relationships with people, just like you and I, to further his kingdom 
and to be able to display his miraculous power. In Exodus, we'll find that Moses, he says, right, there's two million people fleeing from Egypt, and they reach a huge river. And the Lord tells Moses, raise your staff and I will part the river. And Moses raises his staff and two million people escape the army of the Egyptians coming after them and live because of that. When we fast forward into the book of Matthew, we see a young lady by the name of Mary who God partners with to literally bring about our Savior who brings our life back into alignment, who actually saves us from the death of sin. We fast forward a little bit farther into the, into the book of Luke. We see a story of Simon Peter. Jesus was standing in the boat with Peter, preaching a message, sharing the gospel. And Simon Peter had fished all night long and hadn't caught a single thing must have been difficult for him, his profession, to not bring up a single thing. But Jesus says in the middle of the day, Peter, cast your nets. Peter casts his nets and catches so much fish, a second boat has to come. And the boats begin to sink because they're so heavy with fish. Time and time and time again, I could preach all morning this morning about God's partnership with humanity to bring about Miracle after miracle after miracle. About God using broken people, sinners like you and I, to show his redemptive power to all of us. But when I read in here, in Ezekiel, something stuck out to me, right? He tells Ezekiel to speak life to the bones. Ezekiel's obedient. Ezekiel says, okay, but then it said, I heard a rattling noise. The bones were coming together. I saw muscles and skin cover the bones. But they had no life in them. I said, God, I don't understand. When I'm looking at all these other pictures of your miraculous provision, you speak, people are obedient, and bam, the miracle happens. But in this case, it was just a skeletal figure. There was no life in, the, in them. When there's no life, there can be no fruit. There can be no movement. It's just really a shell of what God wants to do. See, I believe this morning that God is saying to us, when there's a noticeable difference in Scripture, number one, we got to slow down and pay attention. What is happening here that God would require a second act of obedience for life to come back into these bones. See, I believe that every one of us in this room, I would hope, and if not, there's going to be an opportunity for you, have said to Jesus, God, I'm yours. And that things were so dead in our lives that we really were staring at a valley of dry and dead bones. And when we said, Jesus, I believe in you, I believe that you died for me, I believe that you rose again, that we felt a newness in our spirit. But I think that many of us maybe stopped there. And we looked a little bit like this. Mathani, can you put that picture up for me? I don't know if you guys have seen this movie. This is a, the movie Coco. 
and it's based on Dios de los Muertes. Please do not correct my pronunciation. <laughs> I'm sure I did not just nail it right then. Um, it's based on the Day of the Dead. And as Lance has been preaching about this series, this is the picture that has been coming to mind. That I feel like so many of us have had this moment of conversion and we have felt alive in Christ. But really we have not done a secondary act of obedience and saying, I surrender. God, I surrender to you and spoke to the wind as he commanded Ezekiel to speak to the wind so that life would come in our body and we would fulfill what God has asked us to fulfill. Instead, we walk around and we don't look like the young guy. I'm sorry, I don't know his name. But we look like the musician. We look like that guy. We put on our Sunday best and we walk around with our clanking bones and we think we're doing what God has asked us to do. And you guys, don't get me wrong, salvation, hallelujah. The angels celebrate when you receive Jesus. Hallelujah. But what I'm here to say is the body of Christ needs you to come alive in the fullness of who he asks you to be so we can push back against the darkness. Amen? Amen. And so he said to Ezekiel, he said, speak to the wind. And when Ezekiel spoke to the wind, it says, they blew among the bodies, and they came back to life. And they all stood up, and there were enough to make a large army. There was enough to make a large army. When I envision an army, I think about a battlefield. I think about us stretched across and winning the battle, pushing back against the darkness. You guys, what does wind do? I asked the Lord, God, what is it about wind in this moment, in this second act of obedience, that you wanted to use this picture of wind? You guys, don't miss this. Wind changes the landscape. When you invite Jesus beyond just your moment of conversion, when you say to him, when you speak to the wind, he is going to change the landscape of your life. When I was about five years old, I accepted Jesus. I remember that moment sitting in a town home with my mom and her asking me if I was ready. And in my eagerness, yes, I'm ready to believe in this Savior. And in that moment, Jesus came alive to me, absolutely came alive to me. But I grew up in a community that really was pretty picture perfect. A lot of the families had 2.5 kids. They had a dog. They had a white picket fence. They gathered around the table every night, sharing stories about their day, laughing about their days, talking about their sports activities. That wasn't my reality. That wasn't the home that I grew up in. I would go to my friends' houses, and I would just hope that that would be the day they'd invite me to stay for dinner that I would get to partake in that family time. So it was that lack that created an eagerness in me to just create that life for myself. I began to strive to be married, to strive to have all the things that I always wanted when I was a child. And in all my striving, in all those things, there continued to be an emptiness in my soul. 
If you could put that picture back up there. I felt like that guy up there, putting on clothes over my bare bones. And guys, don't get me wrong. I, did, I got married, and I have two amazing children. I love my kids. One's sitting over there. I don't know where my other one is. I guess she doesn't want to hear me this morning. And I did end up getting a really great house in a really great neighborhood. And those were really good things. But just like the Israelites, you guys, I was settling for good when God wanted to do greatness in me. And good is okay. It's okay. But God was inviting me to participate in a way that was full surrender, to lay down that idolization of what I thought was the perfect family, of what I thought that God had for my life. I had idolized the all-American dream. But Jesus was asking me to speak to the wind. Now, for some of us, that landscape in our life that God wants to change, maybe it's just a very subtle change. Maybe it's your thought life. Maybe it's your devos that you need to do in the morning. I struggle with them too, guys. It's okay. We can be honest this morning. It's all right. I won't do a show of hands right now. <laughs> maybe it's just we need to speak kindness to our children. And that subtle change, right? It, this morning, I was watching the leaves fall. Such a beautiful picture of the wind, where the, the leaves are rustling across my driveway. Some of us, you know, we spend a lot more time out in the yard this time of year than we want to because of those leaves. But it's also hurricane season, right? The wind comes, and it will change your life dramatically. There are different areas. For my husband and I in 2008, thank you, Jesus, that my husband led the way in speaking to the wind to change the landscape of our life. And for, for us, it wasn't just a minor internal shift. It was that, but it was also a major shift in our lives. See, God had asked me to give up this idolization of my home, my job, and to call my husband and I into full-time missions. And you guys, I cried for six months going into that season. Now, don't get me wrong. We had the word of the Lord. We knew it was the right thing. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't grieving what I had to lay down. But God wanted me to trade in the good for his great. And he needed to equip my husband and I to be a part of the way that he created us to be, to be giving back and to be a part of the kingdom of God in a greater capacity than we already were. See, I had this dream in my heart to be married, to have kids, to live in this remarkable community. And even with that dream that was my own dream, God was still using me. God was still stirring things in me. He was still doing good things, but he was calling us to do better. And I'm not standing up here today to say we got it all figured out. Because there's a lot of ways that we battle our flesh. There's a lot of ways that every day I wake up and maybe there are times where I think back to that life and I think, I really just wanted that secure 401k, right? I really just wanted that nine to five job that I didn't have to work nights and weekends. But God is continuing to call us out of good in 
to greatness. I'm so grateful for the sovereignty of our God to pursue my heart. And in that moment, it started with my husband who said to the Lord, I'm ready. See, we were striving, striving, striving for all the things. And my soul was depleted and empty. And in my striving, I just continued to feel like I didn't measure up. Because it wasn't the path that God had set for me. It was an idol that I picked up from my past. From my, out of a childhood wound that I said, I'm going to write this. I am going to do things different. But you guys, God is so good. He's so faithful. And he is calling you to take that step to speak to the wind, to contend for the great in your life. Amen. I had to take a sip of water. I was just getting my preach on there. My <coughs> throat's getting a little scratchy. So I totally believe that it is in living out life in full surrender to Jesus that breathes real life into our being. But we know the enemy has a plan. He distracts us with things like our childhood hurts, with things like lies that people speak over our, ourselves, our identity, right? In John 10.10, 10, it says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, Ezekiel, speak life. And life to the full, Ezekiel, speak wind. You see, God, God is going to give you new life when you say, Jesus, I'm yours. I belong to you. But he wants to give you more than just that. He wants to give you life to the full, that you would know every day when your feet hit the floor that you are on mission with him, that you are living out what God has said in you. And I think so many of us, discount ourselves. We say, my brokenness has counted me out, right? We walk around and we put our clothing over our, our skeleton bodies, excuse me, and we keep people at a distance. Because if you were to zoom back, there was many scenes in Coco, and believe me, I looked for it this, like the last couple days, where a zoomed back picture where the Dios de las Muertes community looked like they were alive and thriving because they all had on their clothes and they were dancing and doing all their things, right? But when you keep people far away, they think everything is good. But what God is saying is invite people into your lives so that they would see you in your brokenness and they would go, hey, I kind of look like that too. But you're saying Jesus is doing a work in you. Oh, hey, I'm noticing that you're starting to come alive more. God wants us in community. God wants us in relationship with one another, walking this thing out in our brokenness so that the world can see his redemptive, miraculous power in your lives. Amen? If we don't walk out, the world doesn't see it. So, yes, some of us look like that skeleton on Monday, maybe we're walking around in the full presence of God on Tuesday. Because that's us. Because we're sinners. And because we have good days and we have bad days. But you guys, the world needs you. And when I say you, I'm not speaking to the collective you. 
Have any of you seen the Oprah show where she gives out new cars to everyone? And she's like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. This morning I'm saying, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. God is saying, I need you, each and every individual, so that he can accomplish his purpose on this earth. Amen? Now this is a tall order, right? And you can, like I said, you can be stuck in this brokenness and say, no, I'm not going to do it. But you guys, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 22. And many of you have heard this passage before. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it's just the opposite. And this is the part that stuck out to me, and God is so good. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we can't do without. I'm going to read it again. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we can't do without. You guys, every single one of us can put ourselves in that situation. None of us, not one, is righteous enough to stand before our Father without the divine presence of Jesus, without the fact that he died for our sins. Not one of us is good enough but he wants us to show up and say, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. And this is a big order, right? This is a tall order, but guess what? Jesus tells us how we can do it. In the book of John, Jesus sits down with his disciples, and he's preparing. He's preparing them for a time that they would no longer be walking with him in the physical presence on earth. He's preparing them for his uh, crucifixion. And Jesus says in chapter 14, verse 16 through 17, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. Then we fast forward a little bit further into John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. We go a little bit further and Jesus says in Luke 12, 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. You guys, God said, Jesus said, when I die, I am leaving with you the Holy Spirit. And you would know them intimately. He said, this Holy Spirit will bring you peace. He said, this Holy Spirit will fill your mouth with the words to say when the time comes. You guys, if you are believers today, you have a Holy Spirit that lives and breathes in you. That wants to use you. That will bring peace to your soul and that will fill your mouth with the words to say around the people that are in your lives. Now, I know that not all of you is called to stand on a stage. Not all of you is called to go into full-time missions. But don't let that count you out, guys. You are on mission with Jesus if you are a believer. He has called you to be on mission in your workplaces. Guys, I miss it sometimes. I miss being in my workplace and being able to speak to somebody who is hopeless and discouraged. I used to work for a large corporation. And every moment I got, I'd say, hey, let's pretend we're on break right now. Because I'd like to tell you about the life transformation that you can have 
when you're with Jesus. Couldn't do it on the clock. So shh, don't tell anybody that I was taking a break, though. <laughs> you guys, we have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and the enemy would love nothing more than for us to take a back seat because we've discounted. I believe that we can look at these dry bones, these things that when we were teenagers, the things that God was stirring in us and we've set aside, but we can say there's life there. Jesus, breathe your wind and, your and change the landscape of my life. Some of you might be thinking, I can't do it. It's too hard. It's too hard to die to the ways that I've adapted to cope in this life. But you guys, Jesus went first. In John 12, 27, Jesus said, now my soul is troubled. He's preparing for the crucifixion. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Guys, Jesus suffered. Jesus prepared for death, and even his soul was troubled. But he said, God, I will do whatever you ask me to do to bring glory to your name. And he's asking each and every one of us to say, God, I will die to my old ways. I will contend for great rather than settling for good. Guys, today we're talking about life and death. And I don't want to sit up here and just water it down. Because Jesus died. And there are people around us that are going to hell. And I don't want to sugarcoat that. I told you guys, I just got back from a conference. I'm fired up. <laughs> I want people to experience the redemptive power of my father. I want people to experience new life. But church, the people that I can talk to are different than the people that you get to talk to. We, the collective we, the body of Christ, need one another to share the gospel with one another. This reawakening, guys, you can join us on this journey or you can sit it out. But I am inviting you to join us on this journey, to contend for more, to let God reawaken things in your life that you have set aside for the good. To say, God, I want your great. I believe each and every one of you has an assignment this year. Don't discount yourselves. So this morning I want to ask you, are you speaking life to your bones? Are you spending time in the word of God? We can't speak truth and life unless we know what truth and life are. We need to be in the word. You guys, this is a season in our culture that the gospel is being watered down and that we are being lulled to sleep as Christians. And the enemy loves it. And I say no more. No more. We are going to speak life to the dry bones and we are going to speak to the wind and trust the wind to landscape, re-landscape our lives. To shift the landscape of our lives so that people around us would see a difference in our lives. And they would join us. Right? They wouldn't see us in all of our completeness as if 
we are special or as if we've got it all together. No, they'd see us in our ugliness too. And they would want to be and join on journey with us. So this morning, are you speaking life? If you don't know where to start, if you don't know where to start with the Bible, I just want to encourage you. Grab a Devo. Grab a devotional. You can pick them up on Amazon. On our website, you can go to our sermons, and there's a place that you can click to follow along with a daily devotional. Just start there. Just start there and give the Lord the opportunity to speak to you what his truth is. Every day when your feet hit the ground, I want to ask you guys, I want to invite you to remember that secondary act of obedience. I want you to ask the Lord today, Jesus, will you shift the landscape in my life? Today, Jesus, would you help me to look different? Today, Jesus, would you change my thought life? Today, God, would you help me to speak in boldness even when I don't want to? See, when you show up to something, whether it be your workplace, maybe it's when you show up to the kids' ministry in the back, or maybe it's when you join me in the community, God is going to use you. I promise you, he is absolutely going to use you. I mentioned it before, but I think it's so important. You know, when we show up in our brokenness, you're going to look like people in the world because we're all people in the world. We're all walking around. My husband and I, we touched base on this last week, um, and a few other of you, you guys join me, and we go to uh, Mount Tahoma High School on Fridays, and we feed the football team. And me, myself, I'm not going to reach every one of those football players. I look different than them. I sound different than them. I have a different history than them. I have different sins maybe in my life, probably some sins that are the same. My point is, is that I want to invite you to be a part of those areas that we're doing because the world needs to see a big picture of what the body of Christ looks like in all of its brokenness, but most importantly, in all its humility. You guys, I want to encourage you to use this mouth to speak to the lives of people in your surrounding, to speak to the lives of people in your community. Amen? Amen? I just would like us to have an opportunity. I don't know if our keyboard or piano, maybe Beth can come on up here. I just think that the Lord this morning wants to reawaken some of the things that are in you. And I just would like Beth to play a little bit. And we're just going to sit quiet. And I'm going to ask the Lord to do two things. I want to ask the Lord, number one, to bring you back to that moment of conversion that you had with Jesus. And I want to say, if you haven't had that moment this morning... Can I invite you to let that be your moment? Can I invite you to say to Jesus, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again so that I could live on this earth pure and spotless in your sight. I'm going to ask him to do that, number one. And number two, I want to ask him to show you some ways in which you have been resistant 
to asking him to change the landscape in your life. Because I can stand up here all day and talk about what we should be doing. But God, you need to hear it from God. I want God to show you what it is, where maybe you're missing it, or maybe where you're doing an excellent job. And the Lord is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So Father God, Lord, would you remind us of that moment where we met with you face to face for the first time? sit here for another couple of moments. God, would you remind us of the emotions that we felt when we first met with you. And Jesus, for those who don't know you this morning, would you draw them unto you this morning right here. And God, right now I just pray that you would help each and every person in this room hear from you right now, God, right now, Jesus. Where is it in their lives that they've been running or hiding or any of those places because they're fearing that the landscape shift in their life would be too painful? God, I ask this morning, I speak life over those places. Jesus, I partner with people in prayer this morning and say, God, I'm speaking to the wind. Will you come in? Will you breathe life into those areas again? I thank you, Father, that you sent your Holy Spirit, one of peace, one that fills our mouths. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Amen.